Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Before we jump into that, I just want to give you a heads up on an announcement that's coming. So uh, tonight, you know, make sure you jump in and you check out our Facebook Live at 8 p.m. or check it out later. But we are uh, changing some things up with how we do service. And so I'm going to make that announcement tonight at 8 p.m. And so if you know something about us, we always kind of evaluate everything and uh, look at things and how we can do things, how we can make things better, how we can connect. And uh, what we're doing now isn't necessarily super connecting. So we are trying to rethink some things. So I'll let you know more about that tonight at 8 p.m. on uh, Facebook Live. And then we'll also uh, continue just to uh, shoot some videos out and some uh, email communication uh, on the website as well. So uh, make sure you're checking for things to come, which is uh, super exciting stuff and super pumped for those as well. And then just a quick announcement, uh, again, a reminder, there is no prayer tonight as well. But let's jump in. I'm excited because we are. We're starting a brand new series entitled Blurred Lines. So how many of you, uh, how many of you actually wear glasses or contacts? Like raise your hand at that do many of you wear contacts glasses I uh, definitely wear contacts I definitely wear uh, contact lenses them I can't see whatsoever like I'm completely blind without my glasses without my contacts so here's what I do so my wife actually makes fun of me she said you have to share what you do because I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen I'm like well why don't you just help me instead of make fun of me but these are my contact lens cases right so in our, in our uh, bathroom at home, I obviously take out my contacts at some point. Now, I'm talking like when I'm, say I wear contact lenses and glasses, like I can't see past my hand. Like everything gets blurry beyond that. Like it's bad. So I take my contacts out each night. Like I won't, I won't touch my eyes for this. I think it's going to be gross, right? But I'll, I'll take my contacts out. And then to get my contact that is in my hand, I have to literally go down to see like this close. And rather than helping, my, my wife makes fun of me for it, right? Pretty messed up. And then from there, I put on these bad boys. These are my glasses. So they're, they're pretty thick, but I thought they were cool because they're like the cool, clear lenses, right? Like I'm thinking like, oh, these are cool. Like I'm going to have some hipster. I'm like going to get some street cred with my glasses. But what I didn't take into account is that when things are blurry, Clear things are hard to see, right? So it's a weird thing. So sometimes I'll leave these on my uh, the nightstand next to my bed and not in the bathroom. And when I do, then it's pretty interesting to see how I get things. So I'm like walking through from door to door, going from the bathroom to the to my uh, bedroom, and I'm literally slapping the nightstand like, oh, that's it. And like, so luckily they're pretty firm and they don't break on me. But but that's kind of where they are, right? And so again. When, when we can't see, things get blurry. And when things are blurry, it causes some troubles. It causes things that could be easy typically to become a little bit harder. And so for me, I can't see past my hand. So guess what? It's not a good idea for me to drive without contact lenses. It's not a good idea for me to drive without my glasses, right? You wouldn't want to be in the car with me. You wouldn't want to be in a car around me because the truth is I can't see the road lines when I'm driving without glasses, without contact lenses. I can't see the signs to tell me what I'm supposed to do. I can barely see the car in front of me, but I definitely can't see it enough to where I actually should stop in the right time. It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And I've actually done it before. You're like, thinking, whoa, what? Yeah. So there's a guy, I, I like to run uh, through the woods, trail run. And there's one time I was going on a trail run and a tree limb hit me in the eye and literally just knocked out my contact and ripped it. 
So I'm in the middle of the woods. So the remainder of the trail run, I had to kind of stumble with one eye that I could see till I get to my car. So again, running through, it was kind of tricky. So I kind of just took it and it was blurry and I just tried to dodge things a little bit. Um, and then I got to my car and then, well, I, I run at Dillon State Park typically. And I remember I, there's, my house is not necessarily super close to it or like 15, 20 minutes away. So I had to drive. Now, I didn't go with the blurry drive. I actually went ahead and I actually covered my eye the whole way so it was clear so I could see. So that was a little bit better than that. But by the time I got home, I had a headache, right? Because that's what happens. When things are blurry, it sets us up and puts us in dangerous situations. But it also can cause us pain as well. It also can cause some issues as well. And really, this is what this series is all about. This is what this series is going to be about. I'm talking about how when what we see is blurry, when what we think is blurry, when what we do is unclear, how it can really affect how we live, how it can affect how we think, right? It can affect how we act. And if our lines are blurred, it really, it's really a danger. It's a danger to our relationship with God, and it's a danger to our relationship with others as well. And in case you're wondering, God actually makes it pretty clear on what he expects of us as his followers. So that's what we're going to dig into, right? God makes it super clear. Now, culture, society, social media, the people around you, they try to change that up a bit, right? We, we like try to blur the lines. And a lot of times I think social media, culture, the, the area we live in, the people we're around, they definitely can blur those lines for a little bit. But the truth is scripture is clear, right? God's clear about what he expects of us. And we see this specifically in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, which will really be our main passage of Scripture for this series. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. And if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app, which is just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. You can read your Bibles daily, read your Bible every single day. Don't just wait for a Sunday. But if you go to Proverbs, again, maybe highlight this passage of Scripture, underline it, maybe commit it to memory as well. But Proverbs is a book that was written by one of the wisest men to ever walk the earth. It was this guy named Solomon who we talked about in the past. And Solomon was a, he was a king. He's the son of David. And as he's becoming a king, he was praying to God and he actually asked God for wisdom. Like he could have asked him for fame. He could have asked him for fortune. He could have asked him for all these things. But Solomon asked God for wisdom. So God sees this and thought that was pretty noble. So God actually grants him wisdom. So Solomon had this incredible understanding of life. Solomon had this un incredible understanding of everything around him. And he had this incredible understanding of God as well. Right? To Solomon, things were not unclear. To Solomon, things weren't blurry. They were, they were crystal clear. He understood things like nobody has ever understood before. And this is what he tells us about God here in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It says, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Let me just repeat those again, and like let's just maybe put yourself in our today's culture and how things are going. Ready? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, right? hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Right? I should have kept that mic because I could have just dropped it and walked off right there because that's, I mean, this is crazy, right? 
Some of you guys are like, this is going to be a good series. Like, I need to invite everybody, and hopefully you do invite everybody, but you're thinking like, I know my uncle needs to hear this. I know my crazy cousin needs to hear this. My coworker needs to hear this. My friend, my neighbor, they need to hear this. And then some of you are thinking like, dude, this is going to be terrible. Like, I'm going to walk. This is not going to be good, right? This is going to be one of those that I, I just wish I could turn off and I don't want to hear. Right? Some of you are already getting a little bit mad. But understand, these are seven things that God hates. Right? Things that are, that are clear in this Scripture. Things that are clear to God that we can take as followers of Christ. But if we look at the culture, if we look at everyday life, if we look at these seven things, I think we can see that each one of them have actually become somewhat blurred. Right? That's what we're going to talk about through this series. And today what we're going to do is we're going to start, we're going to start off talking about haughty eyes. Now, some of you guys are thinking, like, that's a good one to start because, first of all, I don't even know what haughty eyes mean. So I can't, if I don't know what it means, it means that I don't have a problem with it and it means it's probably not a big problem going on, right? So let's just define it. Let's look at it. Let's just define it real quick. Haughty eyes means this. It means having an arrogant demeanor, a feeling of superiority over another person, a feeling of superiority over another person or people group. It means pride. Now think about this. How many of you have seen some pride going on lately? Right? How many of you have seen some, some haughty eyes? How many of you have seen some people who have a feeling of, of superiority over another person or people group? Right? The list is really endless. Right? The list goes on and on. I want to get into all of it, but I'll just get into some, right? I mean, just think about it. Haughty eyes. Haughty eyes and pride. It's at the foundation of, of the racism problem that we're going through today. It's at the foundation of that, a feeling of superiority, a feeling that another person is inferior, right? What that is, that's racism. And it's wrong. It's something God completely hates, right? Something God detests, something God is completely against, right? And listen, that goes in waves and stuff. And I think sometimes we, we see it on the forefront. Racism is definitely on the forefront of media stuff. And then sometimes it goes away. But whether it's on the forefront of media or whether it's something that's kind of just brushed under the rug, guess what? God still hates it. It's still wrong. And he wants us to have no part of it. Understand that. Because it stems from pride. It stems from haughty eyes. Right? He wants us to have no part of it. Haughty eyes, pride. It's something God hates. But yet, again, it's something we experience it every day. Sadly, it's become a part of culture. Right? If you look at it, I think haughty eyes and pride, they're at the, the root of the political divide that we ex experience each and every day. Right? It's the, the, at the root of the, the leadership divide that we have going on in this country, in this state, in this nation, in this community, right? And think about it. Haughty eyes. It even comes up with things like these or things like these, right? Let's just, we're just gonna, I'm just going to call people out for a little bit. Here's what I'm thinking. I think a lot of time, I think pride and haughty eyes, we're seeing them come to the forefront and the surface because of these, right? People for masks, let's just be honest, people for masks, a lot of times we think that we're, uh, we're better or more caring than people who are against masks. What is this? Maybe there's some pride wrestling up, right? Now, people who are against masks, guess what? You're not off the hook either. People who are against masks, what do you think? We think that maybe we're smarter or less prone to government control than people with masks, right? But what is it? It could be a little bit of pride coming up. Now, let me just say this at Life Change Church. Again, a few months ago, we, uh, we talked about authority. If you want to, you can go back and you can uh, listen to those, those messages. So with that said, uh, we still fall under the authority of, of the state of Ohio. And it's, it's a mandate that we have masks as we come together. So what, we're wearing masks, right? I'm not going to wear masks when I'm talking because it muffles it, but we're going to wear masks. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to fight about it. 
Understand this. We're not going to fight about it. We're not going to make others feel inferior based on what they think. We're not going to feel superior based on what we think either way. Because if we're fighting, if we're posting stuff on social media, if we're arguing with friends, if we're arguing with family, right? if we're doing any of these things, chances are, guess what? The lines have been blurred in our lives. Right? Regardless of which way you think, regardless of where you stand on the issue, either way, right? Either way, some haughty odds or pride might be rising up. Right? Now, this is the point where some of you are thinking like, well, this just got dumb. I wish I could leave. I wish I would have watched online today because I could have clicked off. If you're watching online, please stay with us, right? Right? This is good stuff though, because really what it is, it's a warning to us. It's a warning to us. I think culture's blurred lines so many times on what God expects of each and every one of us, right? And I think we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the roots of what God calls for each and every one of us, right? If we look at it, culture's messing some things up, right? There's blurred lines in our lives that, that says it's okay to fight. There's blurred lines that, that says it's okay to, to post strong opinions and then to troll and be mean to people, right? There's some things that, that culture says that that's okay. If culture says it's okay to be prideful, it's okay to provoke others based on a feeling of superiority, it's okay to make others feel inferior, but guess what? It's not okay. Because here's the truth. If you're too busy fighting, then what you're not doing is you're not surrendering to God. Right? See, here's what I believe. I believe you can have your fist up for you, or you can have your hands out to receive what God has for you. But you can't do both. Right? If our fists are up, Right? If our fist up, we're too busy fighting for our own thoughts. We're too busy fighting for probably something that we may have a little bit of haughty eyes or, or pride stirring up in us about. What we need to do is we need to have our hands out. We need to have our hands out in a form of submission to God because God hates haughty eyes. God hates pride. It's detestable to Him. Again, it says six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Think about that. Think about that word detestable. It means this. It means an intense dislike. It actually means the word, uh, it means it's an abomination. Right? Pride and haughty eyes are an abomination to God. I don't know about you, but that's a strong, strong word. Right? There's something God hates, and here's why. Because He knows it destroys us. He knows that pride hurts us. He knows that haughty eyes hurts us. It doesn't do us any good. In fact, later in Proverbs, Solomon says this about pride in Proverbs 16, 18. It says, pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Right? Pride goes before what? Destruction. A haughty spirit comes before what? A fall. And listen, God doesn't want either of those things for us. Right? God doesn't want us to be destroyed. Right? God doesn't want us to fall. God doesn't want us to fail in our lives. Right? If you look at it, it's not like, I think sometimes we look at God and think, oh, well, there's seven things that God chose to hate just because He feels like messing with us. Right? He looks at it like, well, I'll choose this one because this will be funny to watch people struggle with. No, God hates these things because He loves us so much and He knows that they hurt us. He knows that they destroy us. Right? God's our perfect Father. And He hates the things that hurt us. Listen, I can tell you this. I'm a flawed father. I, I, have, a, I have a daughter. I have a son. I've made some really dumb mistakes as a parent. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but we may or may not have dropped our kid when they were in a car talk carrier off a, cha- off a table. May or may not have, right? Listen, I'm a flawed dad. But when something hurts my kid, I get mad at it. Right? And somebody says something to my child that's mean, when somebody does something that causes them pain, I get mad at it, right? And this is the same. God is a perfect father, and when something hurts us, guess what? He hates it. He detests it, and he hates and detests pride. Listen, some of us right now, we're hurting. Let's just be honest. Like some of us, right? This is a, this is a crazy time. 
Right? And for some of us, probably every one of us, we can almost go to say that within the last few months, we've probably found our place, found ourselves in a place where we had some pain. Right? Some of us are there right now. And why? Chances are, it's probably because of some other people's pride. Or, even more so, it could be because of our own pride. It could be because of our own haughty eyes. Right? But I understand this. God loves us so much that He wants us to steer clear of these things. Because He doesn't want us in that pain. He doesn't want us in that hurt that many of us are in right now. Listen, our God is a loving God. He loved us so much that He gave His Son for us. Right? He gave His Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, die on a cross, and be risen again for us, to break any barrier that's between us and Him. Right? He gave His Son for us so that we could have eternity with Him. But He also loves us so much that He doesn't want us to fall into pride. Right? He doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to experience the downfalls of haughty eyes. Right? He doesn't want us to, to experience and, and have this misplaced sense of value or worth in our life. Right? He doesn't want us to fall. And again, that's the result of pride. So this is why God hates pride. And understand this, pride is actually it's a spiritual issue. Right? It's, it's a spiritual problem. But from this spiritual problem, other issues arise. From this spiritual problem, there, there's other things that come up. Other issues arise and other problems arise. And here's why. Because it takes the glory from God and it places us on ourselves. And when that comes, it comes along a weight that we were never meant to bear as well. Right? This is why God called us to, to be humble. This is why God called us to not be prideful in everything and anything we do. Right? Because it shows His glory. And here's what I want us to walk away with. Here's what I want us to really understand today. Pride is about our glory. Humility is about God's glory. Right? In our lives, pride is about our glory, but humility is about God's glory. In fact, we see Jesus really address this very thought in a parable that He taught in Luke chapter 18, verses 9-14. through 14. So again, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there with me. And if you look at it again, a parable is this. It's just a short story used to illustrate a point. And if you look at it, Jesus was the master at parables. Really, Jesus was the master at teaching, but He had a way of just bringing things to, to real life. And regardless of the circumstance He was in, regardless of the surroundings He was in, He was able to, to bring things all together. And He does this right here in Luke chapter 18, verses 9-14. through 14. So check this out. It says this, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, I'm going to stop right there just so we can kind of talk through the, the stage and through really who Jesus was talking to. Right, here it is. Jesus is talking to people who thought they were righteous. Or in other words, who thought they were right. Right? Here they are. They're confident in what they the believe. They were confident in what they own, they all thought to be right. Like that's their own righteousness. They trusted themselves and no one else or nothing else. And they looked down upon everybody else. Right? Think about this. This is the group that Jesus is talking to. Now, let's just relate it to today. And we can say that, hey, you know what? Some of the groups are a little bit similar, right? This is something that we can relate to. This is a time period. This is a gray area where really we're kind of living in right now, right? Everybody thinks that they're right, but yet everyone thinks a little bit different. And because of that, guess what? There's turmoil. Because of that, guess what? There's some friction among us. There's some, some friction amongst families, amongst friends, right? And again, pride negatively affects our relationship with others. It will always negatively affect our relationship with others but also negatively affects our relationship with God. So here's this crowd that Jesus is speaking to, and it's not too much different than, than what we're experiencing today. And Jesus knows it. He feels the tension, right? He sees the tension among us. So he tells this parable here in verse 10. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, as we read this, I think we can just skim over this a lot of times and think, okay, cool, two men went to go pray, right? 
just two ordinary people that are going to the temple. They're going to go pray to God, right? Very similar to like two people that come to church, right? Somebody on this side of the room is probably a little bit different than somebody on this side of the room in some different way. So, but it's not a big deal. You're thinking like, oh, that's just kind of life. But if you look at it, this is important here, right? Because these two people were really, really different, right? The Pharisee was known as this. The Pharisee is known as a religious leader at that time. Right now, today, we know that Jesus brought the hammer down on Pharisees and that the Pharisees are kind of looked down upon, especially when we read about them. But in this culture, when this is happening, Pharisees were still known as the elite. Like these were the, the goody goodies, right? These were the ones that people were supposed to look up to. These were the role models. Like a Pharisee during this time would have about 600 rules that they would have to follow each and every day. And for the most part, they did a really good job of it, right? So typically, the Pharisees were very highly respected. So you have this Pharisee walking to the temple, and then you have a tax collector. Now, a tax collector was a little bit opposite of the Pharisee. A tax collector was, was known as a cheat. I mean, think about it. Think about how bad we don't like paying taxes today, right? And uh, we, but back in those days, people even didn't like them more because guess what? They didn't like mail it in. They didn't e-file it. They didn't have that. They had some guy come to their house and say, guess what? It's time to collect. Give me your money right now. And it wasn't like they had a series of, of checks and balances, where they could go through and match up their W-2s and match up that all. They didn't have any of that. What they had is the guy says, how much do you, uh, you owe me money? So they asked him, how much do you owe me? How much do you have? Oh, you owe me plus 20 more than that, right? Whatever it is, you owe me more than that because I still need to skim some off the top because that's what tax collectors did, right? That's how they made their money. They're like, oh, you owe this much. I'll give a portion of it to the government. I'll keep this much to myself, right? They were known as greedy cheats. And in fact, nobody trusted them. They were trusted so little that they didn't even let tax collectors in this time period, they didn't even let them witness in court. Like this is kind of the, the level they are. So you have these two very different people. But both, but notice, they're both going to do the same thing. They're walking to the temple. They're walking to be in the presence of God. Now check this out. Verse 11 says this, the Pharisee, again, the one who, who's elite, the one that people look up to, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robble, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Think about this prayer. Right? This is pretty funny here. Right? I don't know if this just humors me, but this is pretty funny. Like, Here's this guy. He's like, God, check out how awesome I am. I don't know about you, God. I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm killing it down here. Like, I got this. Like, you got 600 rules. I added one just for like benefits, right? Here it is, dude. I'm killing it, God. Like, I'm not robbing anybody. I'm not committing adultery. Uh, I'm fasting not once a week, but twice a week. Like, listen, I'm hungry. That's what I'm doing, but I'm doing it for you, God. Like, I'm, I'm killing it. And I'm not at all like this tax collector next to me. Right? This is what this prayer is. It's kind of funny, but it's kind of a messed up prayer. But at the same time, the Pharisee was actually killing it. Like he was doing good things. He was abiding by these 600 plus rules. He was doing pretty good. But here's where he messed up. He made it about himself. Right? He started bragging on himself. He started bragging on what he was doing rather than what God was doing for him. The Pharisee was praying to really get his own glory. And what it is, it was pride. Again, pride is about our own glory, whereas humility is about God's glory. I think a lot of times we fall into the same thing. Hey, we can be doing pretty good. We can have some things rolling for us. And then sometimes pride just sneaks up. And when it sneaks up, what it does is it makes some false promises to us. Right? It gives us this false promise that, that we're self-sufficient. And we have this feeling that we can do it all on our own. Right? We got all this. We have these problems. We have, we have the good things, the bad things. We have, we've got it all taken care of by ourselves. Right? Whatever it is, it's this feeling that we don't need anything or anyone because we have it all 
together. That's why it's a false promise. It's a false promise of pride. Then the, the pride also gives us this, this false promise of self-importance. Thinking that we're something special. Thinking that, that we're something, something unique. Right? We're God's gift to this world, right? It's a feeling that people can't, we have that people can't live without us. But again, it's a false promise. And then also makes this false promise, which is probably the, the most dangerous of all, is this self-exaltation. This feeling of being better than others. And what it is, is it's a trap that really even puts us in the mindset of, of, of even comparing ourselves to others, comparing our accomplishments, comparing our gifts, comparing our, our rule following to others, which again, is a terrible place to find ourselves. It's attention seeking. And when we do this, we're really no better and we're really no different than the Pharisee. Because what happens is we're filled with haughty eyes. We're filled with pride. We're filled with this misplaced value of ourselves and everyone and everything around us. And this is exactly where the Pharisee found himself. He found himself in the comparison trap, feeling self-sufficient, seeking for attention. And it was a place of pride. It was a place of really feeling full of himself. And understand this, when we're full of ourselves, we can't be full of God. When we're full of ourselves, we can't be full of God. Pride, haughty eyes, they're detestable to God. But check out verse 13. Check out the tax collector. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this is a huge contrast to the Pharisee. He stood at a distance showing that he felt unworthy to even enter the temple. What it was is a place of humility. What it was, it was a humbling experience for him. Listen, for some of us, we've been there before, right? For some of us, before we walked in these doors, we're thinking like, this is going to be bad. Like I'm going to church for the first time since I was a little kid. I'm going to church for the first time in my my life. Guess what's going to happen? Lightning is going to strike that building, right? That's That's a humble feeling. That's a place of humility. This is some of you are watching online. You're like, I'm not watching online because of COVID. I'm watching online because I'm afraid the building's going to be destroyed and demolished when I walk through those doors. You don't know what I did in the past, right? But what that is, it's a place of humility. And this is where the tax collector found himself. He found himself in a place where he couldn't walk in. He couldn't even lift up his head because he knew how great God was in comparison to him. And check out the result. Check out verse 14. Here's Jesus. He says this. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, right? This man, the, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? Here's this tax collector and he was justified before God. He was legitimized before God. He was made whole before God. Right? Although people saw him as, as a crooked cheat, because of his humility, he was made right before God. And understand, this is what Jesus does for us. Lived a perfect life, died on a cross so that we could be made right before God. But we have to humble ourselves. We have to walk in humility. Again, he says he was exalted because he humbled himself. So really, that's our action plan for this week is just to do that. is to humble ourselves. To walk, to talk, to act, to respond, and to live in humility. Really what we have to do is we have to empty ourselves. Again, if we're full of ourselves, we can't be full of God. So what we have to do is we have to empty ourselves. Because when we empty ourselves, what we're doing is we're placing ourselves in the perfect position to be filled with God's grace. When we empty ourselves, what we're doing is we're placing ourselves in the perfect position to be filled with God's love, with His power, and with His purpose. 
Right? We're placing ourselves in the perfect position to be used by God. And here's how we do it. Here's how we empty ourselves. Here's how we walk in humility. Number one is we have to get out of the spotlight. Get out of the spotlight. Again, if you look at it, it said the tax collector stood at a distance. Right? The tax collector stood almost trying to be unnoticed, whereas the Pharisee jumped in and said, hey, look at me. Like the Pharisee made the prayer about himself. Right? The Pharisee, again, was saying, like, oh, I'm amazing. Like, I'm killing this God. I'm killing this. Listen, I'm going to pray loud enough so everybody hears how good I am. Like, God, thank you that I fasted two times, two times this week, right? The Pharisee is bringing all the attention on himself. Right? The Pharisee put himself in the spotlight. But the tax collector stood out. The, the tax collector removed himself. Right? The Pharisee was acting in pride, whereas the tax collector was walking in humility. And for some of us, to, for us to walk in humility, we need to get out of the spotlight. Right, we need to get our, our problems out of the spotlight. We need to get our accomplishments even out of the spotlight. We need to get our opinions out of the spotlight. We need to get our opinions about other people's problems out of the spotlight. Right? We just need to step back. And we need to place God where He needs to be. We need to place God first and foremost. We need to place God in the spotlight. Right? To empty ourselves, we walk in humility. To humble ourselves, we have to remove ourselves from the spotlight. And we have to realize it's not just about us. And it's not always just about me. It's not always just about you. It's, it's not always just about how I feel about something. I think about it. Let me ask you. In your conversations, in your conversations, do they always revolve around you? In the conversations that you have and, and the times where you talk with other people, are you in the spotlight of those? I think about it. In your actions, the thing you do, right? are you trying to do things so that people look at you? Right? Are you trying to do things to put yourself in the spotlight? And then here's the hard one. In your prayers, in your prayers, are you placing yourself in the spotlight? And maybe it's time to, to stand in the distance. And here's the question I, I really want to challenge you to ask yourself each and every situation this week as you go forward. I want you to ask yourself, this will really help you recognize your own pride. Ask yourself this. Is this about my glory or is this about God's glory? In your life, ask yourself, is this about my glory or is this about God's glory? And then get out of the spotlight. Number one, get out of the spotlight. Number two, Stop comparing yourself to others. I really, if you look at that, there's a whole sermon in itself about this. In fact, I've, I've preached messages based on comparison. Go back and look at them, right? Because comparison is it's a trap, right? It, it's a huge, huge trap. And it's a big one that leads us into pride. It's a big one that leads us into hot eyes. So I want to challenge you, stop comparing yourself to others. Right? Stop falling into the comparison trap. And here's what we do. We need to stop even looking around at others. If you, again, if you look at the scripture today, if you look at it, the Pharisee was obviously looking around. Again, when he's praying, he's looking around telling everybody how good he was. He looked around and said, man, thank God I'm not like this tax collector over here. Right? He knew who, who was there. But the tax collector, what did he do? The tax collector just looked down. Right? And when you just looked down, guess where he wasn't looking? He wasn't looking around to others. He wasn't comparing himself to others. Right? He wasn't doing that. The Pharisee had a sense of pride. The tax collector was walking in humility. And we could take, a, we could take a, a note from the playbook of the tax collector by just looking down and not comparing ourselves to others. And here's what happens though. When we look to others, here's what will always happen. You will always find somebody that's better than you. If you look around, you always find somebody that's better than you. Right? So what you'll be left with, you'll, you'll be left with a sense of, and a feeling of, of just unaccomplishment, just a feeling of, of beating yourself up. But you'll also be left, you can always look around and you'll always find somebody that you think you're better than as well. Keyword, you think you're better than, right? That's what happens when you look around. But when we just look to God, guess what? We find our actual worth. 
we find what He actually intends for us. Because when we're looking around, both lead to a place where God never intended for us. Right? So I want to challenge you, stop looking to others to answer what God asked only of you. Think about this. Think about that thing that gets you fired up. Think about that thing that, that, that makes you mad. Right? Think about that thing that, that others are doing that, that's making you mad. And then ask yourself, why is it making you mad? Is it because God's asking of a you to accomplish it and you haven't done it yet? Right? Think about it. Are you trying to look at others and make yourselves feel better because they're failing at what God's asking you to do? That's where the comparison trap is. And so stop comparing. Again, it goes back to the question, is this about my glory or is this about God's glory? Humble yourselves, empty yourselves, and stop comparing yourself to others. Because so when you do this, what happens is you'll find God's grace. In every situation, you'll find God's grace. Right? You'll find His purpose for your life. So stop comparing yourself to others. Then number three, ask for mercy, not recognition. Right? Seek for mercy. Don't seek for attention. Right? This is some pretty good stuff here. Here's Jesus. And obviously, Jesus knew what He was doing when He was teaching this parable. Right? It's pretty funny too. And it definitely, it, it lasts the test of time. Right? Because for some of us, we're seeking and we're searching for attention. We want somebody to look at us when really we should be searching and asking for mercy. I think too many times I think we fall like the, the Pharisee and instead we need to be like the tax collector and begging for mercy. I think too many times we want the accolades. We want the recognition. We want the credit. But really, what we really, really, really want and what we really need is the mercy that only comes from Jesus. If you look at the tax collector, he pled for mercy. And because of that, the tax collector was exalted. And the Pharisee, well, the Pharisee was no longer looked up to, right? If you think about it now, the Pharisees and their whole reputation changed a little bit. We need to plead for mercy, not recognition. And understand this, this is a plea that needs to happen over and over and over again. Right? Some of you are thinking like, this is not a message I really wanted to hear today. Trust me, it was not a message I wanted to write this week because pride is kind of like an onion. Like it's like layer by layer by layer and there's always more layers and sometimes it involves crying it's bad, and it's rough, and it's painful. As you peel off one layer, you're thinking like, dude, I'm doing good. I got this. And then guess what that is? It's pride's coming back to the surface. So peel it again. And keep peeling, right? Peel every single day, right? Every single day. We need to be asking for mercy because there's layers upon layers and layers. Every single day, we need to be asking questions. Is this about my glory or is this about God's glory? I don't look for recognition. Ask for mercy. Humble yourselves. Empty yourselves. Right? Because when we empty ourselves, it makes room for God. When we empty ourselves, it makes room for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we empty ourselves, it makes room for us to be filled with His grace, filled with His love, filled with His purpose, filled with His will, and filled with His glory, not our own glory. Again, pride pride is about our glory, whereas humility is about God's glory. So live in humility. Get out of the spotlight. Stop comparing yourself to others and ask for mercy, not recognition. And listen, one of the first steps of doing this is really committing our lives to Jesus. So as we close today, maybe for you, maybe your first step in walking in humility, maybe your first step in, in really getting filled with the power of God is by committing your life to Jesus Christ. And listen, if that's you, what we want to do is we want to give you that opportunity. So if you're here in person today, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card, a connection card that we want you to fill out. 
And on that connection card at the top, it says, I want to make a commitment to God. If that's you today and you want to make that decision, let us know. Fill that connection card off, card out, and then you can actually drop it off in this little black box on your way out in just a moment. If you're watching online today and you made a decision, that's you and you want to walk in humility and you want to live a life of humble by committing your lives to Jesus, let us know. Send us a message online. Uh, send us a comment. If you're watching on through the website, you can send a prayer request. Let us know through that as well. But if that's you, we want to know. But maybe you're here today, and maybe for you, maybe it's just God is asking you to do something. Maybe this message is speaking to you. Maybe this has been a rough week, and you know what? Maybe you're hurting. Maybe it's because of other people's pride, but maybe it's because of your own pride, and God's asking you to take a step. Right? Maybe God's asking you to, to remove yourself from the spotlight. Listen, maybe for you, maybe it's less important about people knowing that you're right, and maybe it's more important for people to realize that you're relying on God and His own righteousness. Maybe for you, that's a the step you need to take to get out of the spotlight. Maybe for you, maybe you've been comparing yourself to others. Right? Maybe you've been looking at others and maybe you've actually been wrestling with what God's asked of you, but you see others not doing it so you feel better about yourselves. Maybe for you, it's time to stop comparing and looking at others and actually do what God's told you to do. And maybe for you, maybe God's just asking you to, to plead for mercy right? instead of attention instead of recognition. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you. Again, on those connection cards, there's a place that says, God is asking me to write those down. And listen, everybody's at a different track. Everybody's at a different journey, but we're all in it together. I'll be honest, this, this is one of those sermons that half the time I'm up here, I come up here, I'm preaching to myself anyways. This is one of those sermons, right? This is one of those onion layers where I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, this is a good one for me. I don't know if it's going to be good for anybody else, but it's a good one for me. If God's asking you to do something, write it down and then begin to live it out. There's also a place for, for prayer requests. And if you're watching online, we want to know your prayer request as well. Let us know so we can be partnering with you throughout this week. And what I want to do just to, to close with you guys, I just, want to, I just want to pray a prayer over you before we go into this week. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your glory. So many times, God, we try to steal, we try to use our own glory, but God, your glory always is greater. And God, we, let us just shine through us, God. God, let us remove our own glory and let us walk in humility. God, humble ourselves so that we don't live in pride, so we don't have the, the downfalls of pride, so we don't have the destruction that comes with it, but God, that we have your grace, your love, your holiness, your righteousness that we can walk in instead because your glory is what shines through. God, I pray for those right now that made a decision. God, I pray for those that made a decision to follow you, that made a commitment. God, I, I pray that their lives will never be the same because of the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And I just pray that over each and every one, whether they're watching online, whether they're in person right now, God, I pray that you will change them because of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray for those that you're speaking to. God, I pray for those that, that need to get out of the spotlight. God, I pray for those that, that need to get out of the comparison trap. I pray for those that, that just need to experience your mercy. God, I pray that all of they experience you in an incredible way. Go before them this week. God, I pray that this week is, is just so much better because you are clearing the lines. God, that the lines won't be blurred anymore. God, I pray that you go before each and every one. I pray for all the prayer requests that, that we'll see, the prayer requests that are, that are spoken and unspoken as well, God. Go before us this week. God, we ask that you guide us through it all. Let us walk in humility and help us to be humble. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you 
to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.